Hey everybody, it's Greg. Episodes of the QNT podcast were recorded between June and September 2022. All mentions of the Patreon are now obsolete as that channel no longer exists. The information, however, is still relevant and hopefully you find some value in it. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? This is Greg Blunt, and welcome to episode 9 of the Quant Podcast. This recording is taking place on September 26th, 2022. Our guest today is a certified Quant legend, consummate professional, and one of the fairest people in the community. He's always sharing links, articles, and breaking news in the research channels, and as far as I can tell, has been the one admin who's been here from the very beginning and has consistently delivered value from day one until present day. He's someone I've been eager to speak to for a while now. Please welcome Jeff to the podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, man. So it's been a while. We've been trying to link up and get our schedules synced. So I'm really glad we could do this. I usually start the episodes kind of uh, instead of diving straight into quant and all the meat of stuff, just ask you a few lightning round questions, kind of just spitfire, one sentence answers, or if you feel like expanding, go ahead. But just kind of like quick hit little questions to help people get to know you a little bit better before we dive into the juice. Is that cool? Of course. Let's go. All right, sweet. So what is your favorite outdoor activity? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I like to surf in the sea. That's what I like to do. So that's my favorite outdoor activity at the moment. If you opened a restaurant today and you were the executive chef, what would your signature dish be? Oh, these questions. Um, okay. These were not the questions I anticipated, eh? but uh, I think it would be a risotto. I think I can cook a, a fine risotto. What is your favorite movie of all time? Uh, the Green Mile. Who's your go-to Mario Kart character? Uh, that would be Luigi. I think mine was Donkey Kong. That was I, Donkey I used Kong. to just kind of yeah. barrel through people. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. What's the last adventurous or spontaneous thing that you did? I think that's about to happen in a few weeks. I'm gonna go on a trip to Mexico for a wedding of a friend of mine. So it will be a pretty adventurous trip for me. <laughs> if you could choose any superpower, which would it be? And what would be the first thing you did with it? I would like to be Superman, then, I guess, and then just help people out. Superman's got a lot of superpowers. He can fly. He's indestructible. Yeah. He has x-ray vision. Being indestructible is uh, would be my superpower then. All right, last one. What year will QNT hit $10,000? I think it will be between 2025 and 2027. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for doing that. I know those questions yeah. were a little out of left field. I had sent you, you know, some questions over that uh, we might talk about today, and those were not part of them. So, <laughs> exactly. Thanks for jumping into that. Uh, that was fun. I would like to learn a little bit more about you as well. Kind of, you know, just a bit of an open-ended question about your background. Uh, you want to share maybe where you're from, or how old you are, uh, you know, what you do for a living, anything that you think is relevant and just a little bit of background. Well, I'm 30 years old. I'm an electrical engineer for a living and I'm uh, Europe-based. So I sound a bit like uh, our boys Jarno and uh, Tim. <laughs> so maybe that's a clue. 
Was that the first time that you'd spoken publicly in front of the Quant community? No, because I've joined the Ghost on uh, the, the roundtables in the Telegram before. That must have been a while back. I don't remember hearing you in the roundtables, but I've only been around for you know a couple of years, or I guess even just probably a little over a year before that Twitter Spaces started. So that was the first time that we had spoken for sure when we did those rooms with Max and Ghost and Hungarian. And uh, those were great. That was actually the start of my Twitter journey, just forcing myself to kind of look back at my Twitter account that I've had since 2009, I think, and delete all of those like, you know, emotional kid texts about some sports game or whatever it was. So I was like, let me just clean this up and maybe I can make something of this. And uh, yeah, so it's gone well. It's been fun. You know, I'm curious about kind of how you started out in crypto, like what year did you discover it? How did you discover it? Were you introduced to it in a certain forum? And then how that led you to Quant? Well, there used to be a time I had uh, social media, except for Twitter, which I have now, but I had Facebook a long time ago. And there was a friend of mine that liked Sia coin, the decentralized storage uh, coin. And that was back in 2016. Then I asked him, what is that? And he said, well, if you want to know, you have to do your own research. And so I did. That's how it started. And then my brother-in-law, he worked for a bank. And then he said, if you want to do something, then you have to create an account at Kraken. And that's how it all started. Mm, so did you invest in Coin? No, I didn't at the end. But there was something that you learned from it, maybe yeah. about decentralization, about Correct. tokenization. And that was interesting to you. Yeah. So what was the first coin that you ever bought? That was called Ether Party. I remember that one. Was that Fuel? Yeah, correct. It turned out to be a scam, but the idea itself was pretty good. Was it a scam? Or I know it went to zero. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a scam. Oh, well. They, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the owners got uh, arrested. Oh, shit. I did not know that. All right. Well, they got me. Uh, I probably threw... A couple, you know, grand or something like that into it back in twenty late twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen during the ICO run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same here. I participated in the ICO. So I made money of it. But there was a guy who made a, a medium article about tokens beneath the cent. So I picked one. I think it was called Smart Cash. And I wrote it up high because I think the all time high was two dollars and something. And I bought it beneath a cent, so it was, uh, was a good one. That was your first big winner? Yeah. Well, then, I, I mean, that, that begs the question, when did Quant enter the picture? How did you discover it? And what kind of took you down the rabbit hole? What was so interesting about it to you? I met some people through Eat Party, and then we had a Telegram group, and we shared some ideas in it. And that's where I met AJ, our uh, console uh, legend, who was friends with Ghost. And so Ghost was also in the channel and he said, there's something uh, you need to look into. It's uh, ISO based. And when he said the word ISO, my uh, interest was sparked because the whole world runs on ISO standards. And that's how uh, how it started, the quant rabbit hole. When was that? Do you remember the month and year that you got into the project? I think it was late 2018, the beginning of 2019. Got it. Okay. So you have a pretty prominent role in the community. You are an admin in all the channels. You're a well-respected figure, especially in the research channels. And I want to ask a little bit more about that. But first, I'm curious, like, how do you view yourself 
in the community as a leader and a content contributor. How has your role evolved over time and how do you think it'll progress into the future? Uh, I just see myself as just anyone of the community, just doing my uh, bit, sharing knowledge and research, keeping people uh, <laughs> who don't know how to behave themselves uh, out of our channels. And I, I don't know how it will progress. I will be here as everyone else is, but you don't know how life's going to run. Right. Well, one of the things that I've always been curious about with you is where you get all of your research from, because you are always sharing obscure links from different resources. I mean, do you use Google alerts? Do you have like forums that you dig in? Like, where are you finding these links to like random CBDC articles or research papers? I mean, it goes very deep and it's very dense and there's such a high volume of it. I'm very curious about your process. The only thing, two things I use is Twitter and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn has been going off lately because a lot of high valued people in the scene are adding me to their friends. So they share the most newest and most valuable links there are. So that's the ones I share. Okay. So LinkedIn is kind of your secret weapon. Yeah. Interesting. And you don't have like a very public profile on LinkedIn. I think I've come across your profile. It's just kind of like the same as your Telegram and your Twitter, right? Where it's just like Jeff and it's kind of an alias. I don't know if that's your real name or not, but you don't have your last name. And so you're getting, you're saying you're getting added by people now, uh, even on LinkedIn that are official. Yeah, you, you could see it in Europe. They added me out of nowhere and they are tagging me even in certain tweets of theirs now. And also today with the news of Nexi and Oracle, and I think it's the blue group circle or something. I got tagged in a post on LinkedIn about it with a lot of big shots. I don't know why, but out of nowhere. You're going to get added. You know, when they do the ones where Gilbert is like the 17th name out of like 26 tags on LinkedIn, yeah. soon they're going to throw you in there right next to Gilbert or something. <laughs> no. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of, of that, you know, interacting with Gilbert, I'm curious about kind of the old days in the Telegram, in the community. Can you take us back to end of 2018, early 2019? What's the vibe like in the community? I know there's probably a lot more FUD to battle, but you do have like these weekly AMAs at some point. You have a lot more contact with the team. Like, do you have any good stories about that? What are some of your memories that stand out about those days? Well, in the early beginnings, Gilbert would be there every day or another. You could just brainstorm together with him. That was pretty awesome. What I like of the, the early days, because Gilbert is a lot about leaving cheeky hints when they posted stuff on uh, Twitter about a, a photo of Italy. That's how we had a hunch that they were doing something in Italy. And that's where Sia came from. It's a shame that we don't have that anymore, but Quan is such a big company now. So it's only normal that Gilbert isn't every day on Telegram anymore, but he's lurking. We know. He's got to be. And, you know, they have a lot more to lose now. I'm sure back then they could afford to, you know, they, they wanted to keep the community involved and give you guys little Easter eggs. And, uh, you know, they didn't have as much partner risk and just infrastructural risk as far as losing business and things of that nature. And now they're so large and integrated that 
it may not be worth it for them. And that kind of leads me to my next question about do you think that they will ever get more involved in the community again? What will that take? Because they've taken a considerable step back over the last, let's call it nine months or 12 months, where you know, some people are speculating that it may have to do with regulation around, you know, like being tied to the token and kind of waiting for securities laws and things like that to be a little more clear. What's your take on kind of the step back that the company has taken from interacting with the community? And do you see a path for them to ever kind of come back in the mix? It's a good question. I think they will. Because as it is now, it's mostly enterprise focused, but they have the will to bring it to the community and to the public so we can participate in the network as well. Also with the public webinars they do, you see a lot more of Martin now or Luke. The old days are gone. That's never going to come back. Yeah, they are definitely getting themselves out there in different ways. And you mentioned kind of, you know, the people that they're sending to these different events. And it's not just Gilbert anymore, but Gilbert is speaking next week or is it tomorrow? Uh, it's at tomorrow Corticon. at Corticon. Yeah. yeah. So he's on a panel with, uh, I think it's Richard Crook from BCB and then the head of strategy from SDX and then uh, the was it the, the chief operating officer from R3 it's an exciting panel because those three companies have been linked for many years and obviously we have Quant's link to SDX which is probably the most clear i don't think there's as much public evidence per se that they're working directly with R3 but like in our community it feels pretty strong uh, but just having all those things kind of in the mix together, like, are you looking forward to anything about that conference in particular? I, I know it's always hard to tell. When Gilbert gets up on these stages, he doesn't necessarily drop anything that we don't know, but there's always little moments and things like that. But he hasn't spoken in a while. So are you looking forward to Corticon? And then, uh, you know, we also have Cybus coming up and, and things like that. Yeah. I'm very curious what Gilbert's going to talk about. That panel in 2020, when you dropped the LAC chain, I think that's one of the few times he literally dropped such a big bomb on a public event. Wasn't there one, uh, I'm trying to remember, was it the European blockchain conference or something? Yeah. And and he also, that was when they dropped about ODAP, I think it was. They were working yeah, with MIT. Yeah, correct. He also dropped LAC chain there, I think. Oh, did he? Okay. It, I, th I thought so, but I might be wrong. It's been a long time. <laughs> I don't remember that whole one. I just remember clipping that story or the, the details of, you know, how he met Harjano and, and yeah. they had come together to build out ODAP. They were both at a conference and then they shared their vision. And then he said, oh, we're going to work together. So... <laughs> Yeah, and how Gilbert had went to him, which is always kind of cool. The same way that like, you know, the ISO standard started where, you know, uh, ISO kind of came to him, you know, and he's always been yeah. kind of the central figure around all of this innovation. It's part of what makes this so exciting. And so, yeah, they're going to be at Cyboss as well, which I mentioned, which if you're not familiar, it is a conference put on by Swift every year where thousands of top-level financial executives come to talk about their products and their services and partnerships and, you know, just advance the financial system. And Quant's going to be there this year. They went there in 2019 and presented with Oracle, and they launched 
uh, Overledger network or over they launched some I'm actually not clear on exactly what they launched but I know they launched some kind of aspect of Overledger in 2019 uh, at Cyboss and then in 2020 they did some other kind of marketing around the event I did a like a short tweet storm on this and then obviously they have Andrew Carrier who comes from Swift so they're sending I think it's Gilbert Martin Andrew and Rebecca so they've got the product and the marketing team all going to mingle amongst all of the the high level people so that's a big one too yeah i'm looking forward to both of them and then of course the other one is cloud world which quant hasn't shown any indication they will be at but cloud world is run by oracle and they're going to be announcing some very cool stuff there was an interview that i dug up around and they said they're going to be announcing their metaverse plans so there's a lot going on there so you know even if we don't directly have any quant confirmations with regards to implementing our technology with any of these new solutions we can especially based around you know the new research coming out from hungarian and others around oracle he's been on a tear yeah he has been insane it's crazy um i'm excited i know he's working on a mind map or something of that nature uh, some sort of more in-depth presentation that we can check out. I think he needs a whole wall because it's <laughs> insane what he's digging up. Yeah. When is uh, Cloud World? That is, I believe, right after Cyboss. So I think Cyboss is like the 10th to the 13th or something. And then I think it's like the 17th to the 20th is Cloud World. Okay. Well, it could be that they haven't announced it yet because the first time I saw Cordicon and Cyboss, I was about to shoot a DM to Rebecca if Quant was there, but I kept my patience. So they announced it themselves. <laughs> so it's a possibility. So maybe they'll be there. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, speaking kind of around the speculative nature of the way that Quant operates with their partners, you know, there are so many speculative links that have popped up over the years. And more than anybody, I think you are this really deep resource in terms of thinking up, you know, little connections and being able to cite things that happened so long ago to, you know, create these bridges between rumors and things like that. Are there any speculative partnerships that, you know, maybe people don't talk about enough or that you think is really interesting, but haven't necessarily formed or, you know, made its way to the surface in the community? I think Onera, the securities interoperability uh, platform, I think that's going to be a big one. I still believe we're involved in it because lately R3 is also giving them some publicity on LinkedIn that they're looking forward. And uh, they raised, I think, 15 million uh, a week ago. And also you have City doing RLN. It's the regulated uh, network. And I know you've seen the, the document we can talk about, but can share. I have. There was a, a presentation that it seemed like it was kind of um, a quant pitch deck is the way I read it was they were just kind of showcasing their services to city. Uh, that's kind of mm-hmm. how I took it. Yeah. But there wasn't a ton in there that we didn't already know, but I suppose it's just like, you know, it's just good to see kind of things that are like that, that are circulating. And I think that's really cool. I didn't know about RLN, so I'm going to have to look into that. That's exciting to me because just the work that quant is doing around the Latin American dollar 
and the blockchain ecosystem that connects to city is blatantly kind of the US hub as far as being able to do the remittances and things of that nature you have to think that quant is tied in pretty deep with city and what's going on so anything that Correct. they're doing around securities i definitely have to look into so that is a yeah. perfect answer to my question around <laughs> you know these partnerships that nobody's talking about and that's one of the great things about the telegram is i can just go in there now and there may or may not be something but i can just type in rln or city yeah and it's just years worth of information and people have been talking about that especially recently just kind of like how incredible these telegram channels are as encyclopedias of speculative and confirmed partnership discoveries i mean can you speak to that at all about like just kind of the power of these groups that you've helped create well, I think it speaks for itself when a person like Santiago Vales from uh, Real Fishing speaks in a, such a way and gives uh, credit to us as a group of people who find research and share it and put things together. So, yeah, I think that speaks for itself. And there's a lot of big shots lurking in council and council who are under different uh, aliases. Yeah, that's always something to think about, right? It's like, I wonder who's actually lurking in these channels because I think it, we're really at a time when Quant's name is starting to disseminate across important people's desks and yeah. uh, whether they're it's investors or actually operators you know, of actual systems or companies, this is a solution that is very important. And interoperability is still the number one problem that needs to get solved in this space. So Correct. it feels like we're on the cusp of something. Like Quant is kind of turning a corner heading into the end of the year and into the new year. Let's talk about price for a second. Like, do you think that from a price perspective, this thing has a chance to decouple at, at some point in the future? And I mean, do you think it can happen sooner rather than later? Or you think it probably will wait until, you know, the back half of the decade? I think it's already showing signs of decoupling, just like it did last year. Many think it's completely due to getting listed on exchanges. I think that's a big part of it, but it's not all because we're in the same period as last year and we're outperforming the market, like literally the, every market there is almost. It has been interesting that from June to September was really exactly when we ran last year as well. And June is when we bottomed out, I believe, in this most recent move where we went from $40. Now we're up in the you know, 117, 118 at the time of this recording. It has been impressive compared to a lot of other assets. I think we're also inside the top 40 now on CoinGecko. We just passed HBAR yesterday, which is one of the institutional tokens, let's call them, that really do actually get a lot of mainstream press. Like you'll see Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank when he's on these interviews and stuff. He's dropping HBAR. So this is one that has a lot of recognition and Quant is silently passing it. So that is super interesting to me and speaks, I think, a lot to the utility aspects of the token and how far that can really take us. Yeah, I think a ranking on Going Gecko doesn't doesn't say me that much because I know Quant is a very different beast. I think it doesn't even belong there. So that's my opinion. I agree. I think that it's a short-term metric we can look at. And once it reaches even half of its potential, 
I think it will blow those charts out of the water. So I think if nothing else, what it does is it just shows us that we're early and we can maybe get a signal from it moving up those ranks that we're starting to emerge and that the space is starting to mature rather than like getting any, you know, self-worth around its ranking. It's more of just an indicator of how far we are into this market evolving. Yeah, I want to add something to that because for a long time, I thought we were not that early in the market anymore. But I think a few weeks back, someone uh, came with a piece of info of what I thought was a white label of quant, but it appeared it was not. They were miles behind and they were just only racing, trying to raise money for a Series A. But it was a very low number. Because they have been around for, I think, already four years. So if they are not that far ahead, then it's quite amazing what Gilbert has already accomplished with Quant, especially with being marketed by the second largest software company in the world and the biggest financial payment provider in Europe, even bigger than Swift. It's insane what he's done in five years. It really is, man. I mean, you nailed it. Like I was thinking that as you were speaking is just... You know, with all of these massive companies that have all these resources and all these eyeballs to try and figure out what the next move is and to stay ahead of the curve. And they're all literally years behind, you know, this British hacker that decided to go through the regulated, you know, banking networks and just kind of spend two years here, two years here, two years here. Someone said in the Telegram something like about should we be nervous that, you know, he's leaving these companies all the time. It shows like maybe a lack of dedication or something of that nature. I can't remember if it was you or somebody else that responded like, it's just that he was getting bored. You know what I mean? Like that he, he took what he needed to learn and he moved on. Exactly. He needed to gain the, the knowledge he could get from a certain position. I don't know if you remember the thread about how he started and Ernst Young. Then he decided to do something else. And then he was an intern at Microsoft because he had this idea of this network of networks to combine everything. He had that in, I think it was 1998. And then his mentor said, well, you can do that, but you need to have a lot of positions and you need to have a lot of people who look up to you and know what your worth is. So that's what he did. That's why he switched those positions and took a lot of different ones. Right. It's a good point. It's not just the idea that he was soaking up the knowledge from each role, but also the connections that he made and the brand that he built for himself, because that's played such a huge part in him being able to scale quant to the level that it's at is just having the connections left and right that he could bring them this technology. And then once you throw you know, the name ISO behind it, little by little, you just start to snowball and he can reach out to his extensive Rolodex based on his career and the success that he's had. Exactly. And also to iterate about the fact that we're not that far in at all is the ISO standard for interoperability should arrive this year or even next year. Only when that ISO standard is out, I think it's going to snowball even harder. And the same thing is for the IETF with the SAP standard. Those are going to snowball uh, the market a lot. So it's interesting you bring that up. I think the ISO standard is like full steam ahead. And they published that governance document, which I guess they had been working on for about five years. 
and there may have even been another one that was published or is about to be published. They they published four of the eight. Okay, yeah. So yeah, and they haven't got to interoperability yet. They've been also working on that for many years, which Gilbert is the leader of that well, working group, is it called? Uh, no, it is a working group. Yeah, It is. It is a working group. Yeah. It's working group seven. Yeah. So that's a great point. And I think that that is going to open up a lot of doors where I've actually become a little bit more skeptical is the SATP or SAT, whatever they're calling it, the Secure Asset Transfer Protocol. I wonder if that is as much of a shoe-in as we think it is. Like I think QNT and Overledger is a shoe-in for like grabbing a, a large piece of the market. I think ISO is a shoe-in for becoming an international standard. With SAT, I want that to work. And I'm not saying it won't, but I watched Harjano speak in front of the IETF a couple of months back, and I was kind of taken aback by how poorly I thought he performed. And that's not an indictment on him. The questions were pretty tough, and they were like, it was like a shark tank in there. Like, they really were protective of the IETF, and there seemed to be a gap that you know, we're going to have to wait to see Phil. Like, I don't think we're on the cusp of that getting done anytime soon. So we'll see how that progresses. Um, I just have taken a bit more of a conservative stance as to whether that will work and will get pushed through. And if it's even necessary, like, I don't think that that is a prerequisite for quant to succeed in any stretch. If it's not that, it will be something else, you know? No, definitely not. But it will help. And even in the meantime, we've seen uh, videos of Farjano talking about sponsors of MIT, the likes of uh, GP and Morgan and such. So it's always good. Yeah, that was also one of the things that I found strange was that this had been months and months of buildup for their live presentation in IETF and Martin didn't go. So I just, I don't know, that maybe something to do with it being overseas and just trouble getting there. Uh, but I did find that a bit curious. Like if it was that important, I think Quant would have made an effort to send somebody. But mm-hmm. this is just me speculating, of course. Uh, but that's what we that's what we do here. So one other thing that I wanted to get your opinion on is 99% of the time you are exceptionally bullish and you have an answer for most of people's concerns. Do you think that the fact that it is a company and it is so reliant on Gilbert and on the team that that could be a risk? I think the connections have already been made. And with the powerhouses they've been attracting with Andrew, Rebecca, Luke, Peter, Martin, people like that don't just move companies, especially when they've been working there for 12 years already. So. So you think that they've already kind of crossed the chasm in terms of their reputation and their product, where even if, you know, something were to happen to Gilbert or something like that, that they'd be able to maintain the direction? I think so. Okay, that's fair. I think that one of the other things that kind of concerns me a little bit is I'm interested to see if they have the chops to market to retail in terms of getting independent developers, because... You know, one of the things about innovation is that it normally comes from obscurity. Like you're not going to have Facebook without a random college kid, Mark Zuckerberg, in his dorm room chopping things up or, you know, a lot of kind of uh, these 
massive innovations that take place are going to come from independent sources. And once Overledger is out there, I think you're going to have to have some massive killer apps that really change the way that everybody in society operates and not just from a business to business standpoint, not just from a CBDC and banking standpoint, but what about just like, you know, for fun and, or for things that are just outside of the box. So I think one of the challenges Quant has is to show that they know how to speak to the average developer. Really the only thing that they've done so far is the course with King's College London, which I guess they have about 2,000 people signed up for, but that seemed a little bit like a one and done. I know you know they had talked about doing other things for it and Luke had said like other courses are on the way, but it doesn't seem like that's much of a priority at the moment. And that may just be a reflection of where the product is at and it's just not ready. But yeah, you know, it's just something that I think they still have to prove. I don't know if it's a risk per se, but it's something that they haven't, I don't think, proven to us just yet. There's a reason they went, I think it was 2019, 2020, they had a trip to America and then they went along all these universities, Harvard and such. But I heard he's trying to pull a Microsoft in which he donated Overledger for free to all the developers on those universities so they can get accustomed to it. And those will be the guys who will be CEOs in the, the big companies later on. So. That's a pretty ingenious move, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's one interesting way that you could plant some seeds. But surely, you know, you have to be a little more active once the product is ready for release. Like right now, we only have enterprises having like a couple tiers of QRC20. We don't really have like a full-on product that anyone can get into right away and, and really create something super dynamic. As far as I can tell, it's a little more permissioned. I don't think the full thing has really been fleshed out, you know? Well, we don't know that for sure because there's that page in which they have that name check with Deloitte, PWC, and uh, KPMG, which is also confirmed, but <laughs> not confirmed. Clients of Quant can use their connectors or use connectors of their partners. So that's connectors of Deloitte, of PwC, of KPMG, and now Oracle, and a lot of other uh, stuff that's, it's it's there, but it's not confirmed. So there might be a lot of things already going on in the background. Yeah, I think there definitely are. And they'll, they'll figure it out once they get to the point that they need to do that expansion. So just kind of wrapping up here, are there any updates to Overledger? that you think might be coming soon or that you're excited about? You know, obviously there's gateways and things like that. Like, what are you kind of looking out for in the coming months? Well, I'm looking forward to see what LA chain will bring next year with the Latin American dollar. I'm also curious when we're going to get more information on EPSI because that's a big one as well. Gateways is in my own interest, of course, the main thing which everyone is looking forward to, but it can wait for me. I agree that gateways are going to take a little bit of time. I don't think that, you know, one of the things that I said we might actually be able to semi-trust from the Carlo Calista emails was that the gateways are kind of on pause. Like he said that with a bit, I don't know, it just, it made sense to me when he said that. Um, maybe he doesn't know anything, but I think he knows something. 
<laughs> you know, uh, about strategy, maybe just not about the way things were in the past or how the system works on a technical perspective. But there was something that ring true about like, you know, we're kind of reevaluating that at the moment and the strategy around that, not around whether they're going to have them. I think they kind of have to have them to fulfill Gilbert's vision. Oh, they will have them. Right. But reevaluating the strategy around them. And to me, that just speaks to, you know, they have so much business on the enterprise side and, if they're going to release something to the community and do it right, you only have one chance to really get it right. And exactly. they're going to need to dedicate a majority of their resources to kind of focus on that and make sure that it happens. And they're still early on the enterprise side. So it's just might take a couple more years, you know. True. Yeah, that's my thought, which isn't a bad thing because enterprise is going to deliver a lot more. In my opinion, crypto is a niche in the big man's world. <laughs> yes. The order of operations... I agree, is definitely sound. And they're doing all the right things. So we're in the right place at the right time. It's just patience is the name of the game. Yeah. Accumulation, if you feel like you don't have enough, uh, just, you know, that's slow buying. And it's really a great project. And it's so difficult to find things that feel this good, like from you know just everything lining up. It's kind of trippy. It's almost like a too good to be true thing. But at this point, I think... You have to just trust the data and the research, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of things that Gilbert also released as cheeky hints, which played out to the dime, like regulation coming in and other stuff. He's on the inside. He's the definition of a visionary without a question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see what they push forward. So we've got a few conferences coming up over the next month or so. So we'll keep an eye out for those. And Jeff, man, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I just want to give you a chance to share with people where they can support you or any work you're doing. How can people support you or find you online? Well, the pleasure has been all mine. I uh, enjoyed the conversation. People don't have to support me. They have to support themselves. But they're always free to follow me on uh, Twitter or uh, join the council or council. It's always good to discuss new information that pops up. And your Twitter handle is at BornQuamfi, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so make sure to follow Jeff on Twitter. And in the Telegram channels, we've got Quamfi Lounge and the Quam Community Channel and Council and Council. And I'm probably missing eight other ones, but <laughs> those are the, the big dogs. Keep doing your thing, man. It's been absolutely invaluable to me and many others. Grateful for your contributions. And thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, that was my conversation with Jeff. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at BornQuamfi. That link will be in the description below. And that, my friends, is the end of season one of the QNT podcast. I hope you found value in all of these conversations. I had a blast doing it. Let me know your feedback and who you'd like to hear me talk to next season by tweeting at me at greglunt27. We've got an exciting 2023 ahead of us, and I can't wait to see what's in store. I'll talk to you all soon. Thanks again for listening. Peace out.